My name is Nick Wagner Sr. And I am the creator of the Full Potential Podcast. So welcome to another episode of the Full Potential Podcast. And we are going to be having a conversation with Stacy Brusa, uh, who, who currently works um, in Germany, but was did reside in the United States for um, basically your whole career, Stacy, until you moved about a year and a half ago. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Uh, we're thrilled to hear your story. So why don't we start with a little bit about, you know, I would like to kind of go back in time when I, when I interview people, because, you know, today you're a, according to your LinkedIn, you're a dynamic multifaceted global HR leader. <laughs> but my guess is that growing up, you didn't think that was going to be what you would do or you'd end up in Germany. Just, just my guess. <laughs> so, so I kind of love to hear a little bit about, you know, where, where did everything kind of begin for you? And, you know, did you always, did you always know the career path that you wanted? I mean, you've done, you know, and I, I always review people's LinkedIn's before we do the podcast and, you know, you've had a lot of different um, really interesting roles for, you know, a bunch of really great companies and, you know, some small, some large, some global, some not global. Uh, but you went to, you know, you went to your undergrad for, um, for, you got a Bachelor of Arts in English. So I'm curious, you know, was HR something that you always aspired to do or did it kind of evolve into that? It, it definitely evolved. I mean, and I can say I, I, I didn't have, I guess, what you would call a traditional career trajectory. Um, I obviously... Um, yeah, English degree, minor in communications. Um, you know, I've I've worked all over the place, and I think for me, um, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And people still ask me, you know, what do you, what was your plan? And I I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grow up. I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Um, I just like to do things that I find interesting and to work with people that I find interesting. And so um, I was the first person in my, in my um, family to graduate college and I had to put myself through school and I picked a major that I really enjoyed. Um, so I love writing and I love reading. Um, I didn't necessarily want to teach. Um, but now looking back, if you think about, you know, English and communications, well, my job now come full circle, I write a lot, I communicate a lot, I facilitate, um, I edit, you know, I do presentations, I train, you know, I do learning and development, which essentially is teaching. So, you know, coming full circle, it all kind of makes sense now, but it wasn't a traditional path at all. I had to work when I was in college. Um, I actually worked full time uh, during the week and then I worked on the weekends. So I worked seven days a week. I went to school at night. It took me six years to get my degree. And I actually started when I was 18 years old. I started in, in as a bank teller because a friend of mine worked at the bank and I really needed a job. And so I started as a bank teller and, you know, learned everything I could learn and um, ended up being a, a customer service rep. And then fast forward, started going out and fixing ATM machines and, you know, weird stuff that I could do to make some extra money. Um, and it just was interesting. And then I started kind of doing a little bit of training. Uh, you know, I would train the new tellers and the new customer service reps. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. Um, and, and from there, really just kind of, you know, graduated college, decided that I, I wanted to leave banking and get into just a job that I thought was interesting. I really wanted to use my English degree and I really wanted to write. So I got into um, Aetna for the first time and decided to um, got kind of a temp, what I thought was a communications job and it really just ended up being an administrative assistant, which was fine, got my foot in the door, met a few people and then actually ended up full time in the mailroom 
so you hear those stories of people, hey, where did you start? Hey, I started in the mailroom. I totally started in the mailroom because <laughs> it was a job and they were going to pay me. Um, I, I get it. I mean, that, that's, that's, <laughs> that, there's when you're starting out your career at the entry level and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people tell the story about how just like what you did, right? Like, oh, I took this job um, yep. or I, I took a job that I really didn't want but I wanted to get into that company knowing that eventually I could do something different. Right. So I think that's, I think a lot of people have that similar story. Yeah, definitely. And then you just, you, you start to meet people and hopefully you impress them with the work that you did. And I worked really hard. I take a lot of pride in my work and I learned everything. You know, I try to learn when I step into a role as much as I possibly can before I'm ready to step onto the next role. And, you know, I always ask myself that question is, you know, did I really live this position to its fullest like did I do every facet of it did I did I really do it and did I do it well and did I master it now it's time for me to move on and so um I that's basically what I did for the rest of my career is I started doing things and I started getting noticed and people noticed that I'm I worked hard and that I like to fix problems and I like to deal with people and so I think that's probably the running thread is the whole kind of dealing with people um, you know, really working with, you know, I was doing projects and, you know, and I've worked, I've worked in the business, I've worked in financial services, I've worked in, in IT, um, and now I've worked in HR. And so I've, I've had all of these different interesting positions. Um, but the common thread is, I think I really, really enjoyed coaching and mentoring, working with people, learning so that I could teach others, and really seeing other people succeed. And so, um, you know, fast forward, because my career is really long, but fast forward into things like when I met you, when I was running um, the ELDP at Cigna and the Tech DP, um, that was a blast. And, and that was my second foray into, into kind of leadership and development programs and working with early in careers. And, and that really carried me through um, really to where I am now in terms of the HR career. That was probably my first transition. I spent 10 years at ING. And it was an amazing, amazing opportunity. I probably had six or seven different jobs in the 10 years that I was there. And going to Cigna was the first time I left that kind of comfort zone. And I thought, oh, I'm actually pretty good at this. Yeah. <laughs> so so I want to pause you right there for a second, because you mentioned something at the beginning of your career, you know, and, and still today, you have this really hard work ethic. Where, where do you think that came from? Is that something you got from your parents, your grandparents, like, where did you learn that work, working, working hard and, and taking pride in your work would, would help you advance your career? Well, I came from a single parent household, you know, and my mom had to work, um, you know, to, to, to keep things going. And so, um, you know, I watched her. My mom was a, was a volunteer for public television and ended up 35 years later being an Emmy Award winning producer and the executive producer of UConn Women's Basketball at CPTV. And she's had an amazing career. And now she's retired, but she runs her own production company. So, you know, talk about having a great role model. My mom worked really, really hard. And I had to fend for myself a lot and, and sure, like in the beginning, you're kind of probably resentful that, you know, she wasn't a PTA mom. She couldn't come to all the school events. But as I got older, I really understood that she was trying to provide for us and, and trying to make sure that I would be successful. And so um, I was a really independent kid. I was really driven. I had to really kind of 
you know, take care of things, you know, so I would have to take care of the house. And, and then um, when she wasn't around and, and we had to have a little bit of a partnership in terms of moving forward. And um, we're still very, very close. I'm actually in the in the States this week. I'm staying with her. Um, and it's a great chance for us to reconnect. But that's probably is, you know, growing up in this kind of an environment. What does that? No, and, and I think whether it's your, you know, your mom, your dad, your your grandparents, I, th- I think a lot of people are wired the way they are because of the environment they grew up in and, mm-hmm. and, and watching, you know, watching someone, one of their caregivers, you know, watching them take care of them, they emulate their caregivers. So that, that doesn't surprise me. And I think it's yeah. a common, a common theme with a lot of successful people. And that's so cool. I didn't, I didn't know that about your mother being a, you know, being an Emmy award winning, um, you know, television producer. So that, that's pretty cool. Tell her congratulations. Yeah. People, people in Connecticut know my mom, they know Harriet. Um, so UConn women's basketball fans all know my mom. She's a local celebrity. Very cool. Yeah. So, so I, and I just wanted to, you know, just ask about the hard work because I, clearly you still value that today and that that's helped you move through your career. So you mentioned, you, you mentioned the, the whole idea of developing and coaching people and you, how, how you have a passion for that. And that's kind of been the thread. You know, with Cigna, you did you you managed some of the early career, you know, leadership development programs. You know, then you went to then you went to Aetna, where you think you did some some more of that that type of work uh, around you know talent and performance management and, and the development of, of people. And that and I, I guess my question for for you around that topic is, what what is it about that work that that you, that you love, right, or, or or that that inspires you? Is it the changes that you see in people? Is it your opportunity to give back. What 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 keeps drawing you back to that type of work? All of the above. Um, I love seeing other people succeed, and if I can have one little teeny tiny hand in that, in seeing somebody do well, and and really, you know, live up to their potential. Um, you know, I'm not just saying that because this is the the name of your podcast, but it really it really matters to me that that people um, get help and get supported because I was really lucky. I mean, I worked really hard, but I also had some really great people through my career that supported me and gave me an opportunity. Even if they didn't really know me that well, they took a chance. And so it's important to me that when somebody really shows that they have the energy and the drive and the desire that I help them and, and try to make them the, the best that they can be. And um, I mean, you know, granted, they have to do the work, but um, it, it just, I get such a great opportunity it's such a great opportunity for me to see them grow. And and I still am am connected to a lot of people that I've worked with in my mentees and um, uh, yeah. And, and, and I'm, you know, like you very community oriented and giving back is really important. I've been on, on three different boards of directors in in Hartford. And um, I feel like if you're, if you're fortunate, you should pay that forward and you should give back to other people and, and share with them. Um, And then maybe they will then pay it forward and do it for others and it will grow. No, I, I hear you. And that's, that's a big reason I do the philanthropic work that I do. It's the same thing. I, I feel, feel joy out of it. And I feel, you know, if I can help, you know, one person here, one person there that, I, that I'm making a difference. You, you mentioned mentees. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, how many people do you mentor yourself? And my other, my other question, the other side of that question is, how do you leverage mentors yourself for, for your career? Yeah, um, I have. Um, I have a lot of mentees that kind of come in and out. I, I, I tend to 
like right now in, in Munich, in Germany, I, I tend to kind of take the interns under my wing. <laughs> um, I just gravitate to them because I find them so interesting and they teach me so much about what they're learning and what their expectations are and, and, you know, how they kind of approach problems. And so I get as much out of it as I hope I can give back to them. Um, so I just kind of, you know, they, they find me, I find them. We just, I find people that I connect to that I think are really interesting. And a lot of them come to me, they may see me. I've had people that have seen me do presentations or facilitate meetings and they will approach me and say, Hey, can we spend more time together? Um, you know, for me, I, I've had some really amazing mentors that I still reach out to, um, depending on what the situation is, right? So if it's a, you know, I, I have my, my mentors in the HR discipline. So if I'm having some, some issues around maybe my own career from an HR perspective or an HR problem that I'm trying to solve and maybe I'm looking for a best practice, I have those mentors that I reach out to. But I also have a couple um, that I've had for, you know, well over 20 years that if I'm trying to make a really big decision and I just need a sounding board, it's, you know, they're people that I can trust. And so... Um, and, and I think, too, mentoring is give and take. I think that it, the best mentoring relationship you can have is when you both get something out of the relationship. No, I, I feel the exact same way. I, I mentor a lot of folks as well. And honestly, I've mentored some of them for so long that they're not really mentees anymore. They're more just friends. And mm -hmm. I get something from them and they get something from me. So it's interesting how, how those relationships evolve. But but I, I'm with you. I uh, I absolutely love the the, the just the I don't know the, the feeling of accomplishment I, I I get when I mentor people uh, I just you know and and I and when I when I can help someone it's just it's just awesome so um, I love to hear that and as you mentioned you have multiple mentors how how do you how, how do you find them like is it, is it something that where you actually ask people to be like a formal mentor of yours or is it just kind of happen more naturally. It, yeah, both ways. I had one. So one of my longest running mentors, I actually did reach out to her. She was one of my bosses, um, not a direct boss. She was kind of an indirect boss when I worked at ING. And I had reached out to her and said, you know, I was really hoping I really, I had seen her in meetings and um, I had met with her a couple of times and I was just so impressed by her knowledge and her demeanor. And I just gravitated to her and she's great. And so, um, so I, you know, would, just reached out to her and said, Hey, would you mind, <laughs> you know, and she was super gracious. And, you know, I still have a relationship with her today. And then others, I think you, you just, you, you get into that groove and you, you, maybe you, you invite somebody for lunch or you invite somebody for coffee and then you just start having the interaction and it develops naturally. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think that's probably common for a lot of folks. So, so let, let's, let, we'll jump back to, and I, I just wanted to ask you those questions. I think it's, I think it's just really important for people to understand how, how mentoring and mentees have been a part of your career. Yeah. So you're, you're at, you know, you're currently at, at Munich, um, the, the, the global insurance company, which, which here in Connecticut, where, where you're from, the Hartford steam boiler is, is the, I, I would guess the division, right. Within the U S that they operate. Right. It's and, one and, of the, one of the companies that they own. And you've been, and you've been with, you know, the company now, you know, I think over six years at this point. So, I guess, I guess my question for, for, for you, because I think people really, people want to hear this is you were here in, in Connecticut, you know, working for Harvesting Boiler for almost five years, according to your LinkedIn. And then a year and a half ago, you moved halfway across the world to Germany, which, which is, which is, um, I believe where Munich is headquartered yeah. and kind of curious, you know, how did that happen? You know, how has it been being an American, 
in uh in, in Germany, you know, working, you know, working uh, for the for the parent company of Harper Steam Boiler. What was that transition like? You know, just give us some, you know, how did it happen? What how's it, how's it been going? Because I think a lot of people dream of what you did, but are really scared and don't actually make the jump to do it. So I'd love for you to kind of share share your your uh your story about this. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it all had to kind of click from a timing perspective. So. Um, you know, my personal situation. So I was in a, a long-term relationship that ended um, and I kind of decided, all right, you know, I've, I've lived in Connecticut my entire life. I used to work for an international company, had a chance to go to Europe and thought, wow, that would be really cool. Um, and then, you know, didn't really think about it because it wasn't really personally feasible at the time. And then when my circumstances changed and I went to work for HSB, um, you know, I, one of the reasons I went to work there is because I knew that they were a global company. And I thought, you know, I loved working in the global company before, um, would be cool if I could do that again. And so I, you know, within a couple of years reached out to my boss and said, you know, if something comes up, I know that they do these, you know, these expat assignments, they do long-term, they do short-term. If anything comes up, I think it would be really interesting. And I'm, super lucky that I have an awesome boss and a great company and a great CEO. And they reached out to Munich and, and I, we had a new global head of HR and um, they had asked me to go over and help facilitate a meeting for two weeks. It was the very first global human resources summit of all of the HR leaders um, globally for the company to come together for the very first time. And they asked me to go out to help them plan the meeting. And so 2016, December of 2016, I went out there for the very first time. I'd never been to Munich, didn't really know the global head of HR or the team, um, spent two weeks out there. And not only did I help plan the meeting, but then I was actually asked to facilitate the meeting, which was really great because I met the global CEO of the company, not just, you know, the HRLT, um, the leadership team. So got exposed to a bunch of different people, um, had a great time doing it and really enjoyed it. And in and, you know, I've been told I did a really good job. And so the, the global head of HR from then on out said, you know, if you want to come here, let's figure it out. And so we spent a year trying to figure out what the right position was um, and something became available. I applied, you know, we went through the, the interview process and um, my company at HSB was extremely supportive and sent me over. And so, um, yeah, I did it. And I, I tried not to be afraid, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. I've lived in Connecticut my entire life and... I basically sold everything, um, sold my house, um, sold a bunch of my furniture um, and thought, you know what, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And, um, you know, in retrospect, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm super outgoing and sociable and I'm going to move to a really kind of introverted com country where I, you know, nobody, I don't speak the language and I don't know anybody. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and um, a lot went wrong and a lot went right. And so um, it was terrifying. Luckily, like I said, I've, I've got a great support system here. And then I've got really amazing coworkers in Munich and they welcomed me with open arms and helped me really kind of assimilate and learn things. And if I couldn't read one of my electric bills, I'd bring it in and they'd read it for me because it was <laughs> German, you know, so, you know, you, you just it, it's yeah, I, I had to really park all of my my fears at the door and say you know what I'm gonna trust in the process and I'm gonna trust in, in the people that I work with that they want me there and that they're gonna make it a good experience for me and I'm gonna try to work really hard and prove myself yeah and and, I, and, I, and kudos to you for making it happen because 
again, I think a lot of people dream of doing it, but to your point, the timing is a big thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, is there, is there the right role? You know, how does, how does everything work with, you know, your visa and everything around, you know, how long can you stay in the country? There's just, there's so many, there's so many wild cards when it comes to taking international rotation if you're based in the U.S. So I'm thrilled to hear hear it's all worked. And it's funny because one thing you said that I think is 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 a great takeaway for my listeners. You up, you made it known that you'd be interested in an international role, and that's how it ended up happening. Yes, raise and your hand. Raise exactly. your hand. If, if if you don't tell people, <laughs> hey, I'm interested in this, or hey, I'm interested in that, how are people going to know? So exactly. I, I think that was a really um, so thanks for sharing that because I think that's really important for people to hear because and again not that it always works out but you know you are, you ended up having this opportunity because you raised your hand and said hey you know if, if there was ever an opportunity I'd be interested in this so so that's that's fantastic what what has been the biggest so two questions what has been the biggest challenge you know moving to Germany and you know for the past year and a half and what's been what's been the what's been the biggest surprise in a positive way you know, the biggest the biggest challenge is that, like I said, Germany is, um, you know, obviously I don't speak German. It's really, really hard um, to learn German. And I've, you know, been a little bit lazy about learning because everybody speaks English, you know, for the most part. However, um, sometimes you just forget when you're in the office and you're sitting at your desk and you're getting work done, everybody around you speaks German. And so um, it's kind of hard to get used to. You do feel a little bit isolated um, and you do feel like you're not really included all the time in things and it's not on purpose. It's just, that's, that's their, the same thing would happen here. If somebody from there comes here, right. And they don't speak the language. We just take for granted that they're going to know what we're talking about and they don't even think about it. And so I still deal with, you know, days I'll go into the office and I won't talk to anybody for a good couple of hours because they forget and I don't want to interrupt. And, you know, I mean, we get into meetings and we get stuff done that we need to get done, but that kind of, you make a lot of relationships in those side conversations and those, you know, hallway conversations and coffee conversations. And so that takes a lot of extra effort on my part to make sure that I'm being outgoing and that I'm, I'm trying to stay included. Um, but that can be really hard. The language barrier can be really hard. And, you know, it, it's, it's a very, um, the culture is, it's just really different. Like it's, it's hard to make friends in that kind of an environment. But once you make friends, you have friends for life and they introduce you to other people. And so, um, you know, now a year and a half later, it's, I've, I've developed some really great, strong relationships and there's also a great expat community. So, you know, I've reached out and I've met some people um, internationally. I have a great international group of friends in addition to German friends. Um, but it, it's, it's different, you know, there's no, you know, I'm not doing a lot of, you know, community work there. It doesn't work that way. You know, I'm not going to events. I'm not doing that sort of a thing. So, um, it is a a little, my life is much more quiet, believe it or not in Germany. I travel a lot, which is phenomenal. Um, but, but my life is quieter, you know, since I've been back in the U S I think I've been out every night just reconnecting with people and going to events and checking in on, on, on the groups that I work with. And so, um, so that's was I think that's the hardest part is the inclusive piece. Um, and, and the, the, the biggest surprise was that I, I, I did it and I did it really well. And um, there were some bumps in the road. We had a lot of organizational changes. We had a lot of shifts in direction. I'm not really doing the projects that I thought I was going to be doing, but you shift and you flex and that's okay. And so um, I've learned to be um, even more flexible and I've learned to 
pick my battles and not sweat the small stuff and just kind of go with it and be open to things when in the beginning it would get really kind of frustrating. And so I've grown in terms of how I deal with people who are different and, and how to work internationally and the relationship stuff. I mean, that's been, been really great, but yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, highs and lows, right. Um, just like anything, it, but it was, it was definitely challenging, uh, but it was also very, very rewarding. And I think, I think you're, I think what you just, what you just stated is probably how a lot of people feel when they move to a different country for work, especially one where they don't speak. If you move to, if you move to London, you know, England is an example, you speak English, it'd probably be a very different experience as opposed to moving to Germany where to your point, you don't know the language. So, yeah. so, so I, I, I just want to close out this part of the conversation about your, your move internationally. So what advice would you give people? Other than raising your hand, right? Mm-hmm. If you're really interested, what other advice would you give people for those that want to that want to make that 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 jump and try moving countries for a role? Um, you know, I think be 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 brave and park your fears at the door, and and you know, do your research and learn and try to reach out to people that maybe over there or have had that same experience. You'd be surprised the number of people that I've actually met. So I've made a friend over in Germany who actually lived in Connecticut for 10 years and now she lives right outside Munich. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And, and a friend of mine from Connecticut introduced me to her and now she's a great friend of mine and she's been able to give me all sorts of information. Um, and then I have a friend here in Hartford who lived in Munich for several years and, and you know, I, I met with her last week and she and I have become friends. And so, you know, you'd be surprised, use your network and reach out and find people who have had these types of experiences and have conversations with them and talk to them about the highs and the lows and what the challenges are so that you can feel good about going. And, you know, it's great to have a support system. I mean, I did go by myself. Um, which is a challenge in, a, in and of itself is to kind of go, go alone. But um, again, the, I think the company makes sure, you know, if you have people in your company that you really respect and, and that support you, then it makes it easier. And I'm really lucky. Like I said, I, we have a great global mobility team on both sides. They made sure that I had everything that I need. I always had somebody that I could call. Um, and so if you have that opportunity within your company and they offer it man, and you can do it, go for it because, um, the best thing that you can do is, is, is we say this all the time as HR professionals, be comfortable being uncomfortable because you will grow and you will learn and you will be so surprised with what you think you couldn't handle that you can and you're fine and you'll be okay. That, 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 that's <laughs> very true. And the work you're doing, the work you're doing internationally, similar to the work you did here in the States, but just more on a global scale. Is that yeah, my understanding? Yeah. So yeah, I'm doing a lot of talent management work, performance management work. Um, on, a, on a global scale, which is great because then over there, I really still work. I'm not just working with the German community. I'm working with the global community. And so, you know, I'm working with Asia Pacific and I'm working with North America and Latin America and the UK. And so um, I, the programs that I work on are going to impact everybody in the organization. And so that's really exciting in terms of broadening my network and learning because our businesses from Munich Re are really diverse and different. Um, they're not all just straight reinsurance and we're also getting involved, you know, you, you do a lot of insure tech stuff. We're getting really heavily involved in insure tech and in sensor technology and in IOT. And, and that's like the next wave, which is super cool to be a part of. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's fantastic. So I want to, I want to, and I appreciate all that advice that you're sharing with, with, with us and I think it's great, but I want to, I always, always close the podcast with, you know, what is one piece of 
of wisdom you would share with my listeners that's really helped you achieve your full potential, you know, in your career. So, you know, what, what is that one thing that you, you think everyone should do this to make sure they're successful that's really helped you? Um, I think, you know, num- number one is, is, is take credit for your accomplishments and celebrate them. Um, you know, so many people, especially women, don't take credit for how hard they work and what good things that they do. And, you know, take credit for what you do and help other people see and that, that they're doing well and that they should be taking credit for what they do. And so, you know, be, be proud of your accomplishments, showcase your accomplishments, let people know who you are. That whole raise your hand thing is critical because if nobody knows, nothing happens. Um, and just find the people that you like to work with and that you admire and that you want to be with that inspire you. I, I, I really like, I like how you said, especially women, because I, th- I think a lot of, a, and, and again, I think it's not just, I don't, I don't think this is just a U.S. phenomenon either. I think mm-hmm. this is, I think you see this in other cultures as well. People don't speak up, right? And they don't, right. they don't take credit for what they do and they're, what happens is other people end up taking credit for the work that they did. And it's, it's, you know, that's, that's really unfortunate. So I think that's, I think that's fantastic advice. And, you know, I just want to say thank you for making time uh, on your trip back to the U S to, to make time for the podcast, because, you know, I, I always, we, as you mentioned, we've been connected for a very long time and I've always, you know, we've been connected on LinkedIn for a good amount of time following your career. And, you know, I, I try to interview really cool, successful, interesting people on this podcast that I think people can learn from their career stories. So thanks for making time and, uh, and joining us. Thank you so much for asking me. I'm really, really happy to be able to share my experiences and um, really honored that you asked me and invited me on. Absolutely. Best of luck. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Full Potential Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our movement, please visit our website, fullpotentialmovement.com. You can also find us on social media. We have an Instagram, Facebook, and a YouTube. Thank you again, and we hope you come back to hear another episode.